Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Go with Julio podcast. I'm a tech marketer turned leadership coach on a mission to educate, inspire, and empower you to unlock your best, most authentic self as a leader. If you're ready to confront the hard things getting in the way of your success in a way that's real and honest and loving, then you're in the right place because you can and you will. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I want to talk about why I became a coach. And I want to talk about that because really what that's about is transitioning from one place to another, from going where you are now to where you want to be, and to close that delta. And I feel like that's particularly important for so many people right now, with all the layoffs, with all the job uncertainty, with people starting to reckon with the truth of themselves, a lot of people find themselves in roles that aren't fulfilling, aren't connected to their passion. They're kind of just sleepwalking through the role, trying to get by doing minimum viable. And that's not fulfilling. Maybe you're at a phase in your life where that makes sense because you have other commitments, in which case I totally understand. But the truth is, is you cannot live from that space forever because everybody who is here has come called. We all have a purpose here to fulfill. We all have a gift that we have been given. And our job is to learn what that gift is, to hone that gift, and then to use the gift and to use it in service of humanity and community. There's a time in everybody's life where the universe pulls you close and whispers in your ear, I'm not messing around anymore. You need to figure your shit out. And for a lot of people, that moment is happening right now. And I see that as I support my clients day in and day out. And so I want to talk about my transition and why I became a coach because I talk about it in episode one very briefly that I had a 15-year tech career and then I ended up transitioning out of tech into becoming a solopreneur and doing my own thing. But I didn't get into the nuances on it. So I want to use this as an opportunity to double-click on that moment of transition, how I knew that I wanted to make that leap. I want to give you the arc of that story and what I went through during that time and what advice I would give to my younger self around this. For as long as I can remember, I knew that the job in tech wasn't the job for me. I felt the whisper of that, that there is something else calling on my life. But I realized I needed financial security and independence because I didn't have that from my parents. I needed to have a nice title. I needed to be surrounded around really intelligent, smart people because I knew I would learn something. I really enjoyed having lots of resources. I really enjoyed complex challenges. And most of all, I was in the business of feelings. I mean, marketing is quite literally the business of feelings. And the reason why I was so good at my job as a marketer is because I could understand the nuance and the subtlety and how you have to weave together emotions to open the heart and create an emotional connection with the customer. That is really what marketing is all about. It's not about programmatic. It's not about A-B testing and trying to find the right words and the right sequencing. I mean, sure, that will allow you to capture some market share, 
but it's not going to get all of that. All of the best, most iconic brands understand that brand work is so deeply woven with emotion. Your success in marketing is a function of your ability to understand the subtleties, the granularity of emotion. But all the other stuff I didn't like, the A-B testing and the programmatic and the politicking and the deck making and the strategy changing. I mean, how many of us can relate to words like swirl and thrash and circling back and all of the chaos that would happen at these high growth tech companies where we were constantly sprinting every day up and down. It, it, it almost felt like a roller coaster. I love this advice Melissa Waters, who's now the CMO at Upwork, always gives, which is watch the roller coaster. Don't get on the roller coaster. Watch the roller coaster and observe it because every day there are multiple lows and multiple highs. And I'm sure this extends beyond tech. I mean, whether you're a teacher or a physician or a nurse or what have you, the work to be done that we're often not taught is how do we get off the roller coaster and stay centered and grounded in our truth and not get swept into the thoughts and the chaos that ensues when you bring lots of people together from different companies and backgrounds to try and make really hard strategic decisions. Leaving Apple, then going to Google, leaving Google, going to Tumblr, leaving Tumblr, going to Airbnb, I kept thinking, okay, the company will be different, but all companies have problems. The question is, do they have the problems that you're willing to solve? And I started to see this pattern through the companies that I wasn't being able to maximize my potential. People were getting stuck in the details. I mean, some of these all hands meetings, you would see the questions that people would ask about their stock refreshes and the Doritos in the kitchen and the this and the that. And I'm just thinking to myself, really, this is what we're spending time focusing our energy on? The fact that our stock price jumped and therefore you want more stock next quarter or you're going to threaten to leave? There was such a sense of entitlement and lack of understanding of our context in the greater world, the gravity of other problems and how are we using our energy towards service that I, I felt disconnected and I realized, oh, okay, this is what happens when you get into some of these spaces sometimes. And the same feedback was always consistent in my performance review. And that feedback was, Julio, you have so much empathy for the customer. You're the voice of the user. And my area for development would be, it wasn't the what, it was the how. Well-intentioned, poorly misunderstood. Well-intentioned, poorly implemented. That I was always a champion and a fighter for the customer and what was right. That I wasn't paying attention to my delivery and the intention behind my delivery. And there would always become a time where I would bump up against somebody who was reflecting back the behaviors of my dad. Oftentimes it was my manager. They did not have my lived experience. And it was hard for them sometimes to understand why I was emphatic about decisions that were being made that were misaligned with the true values that we subscribe to as a company. I mean, frankly, you see a lot of this stuff unfolding now. I mean, look at Elon and how Twitter's unfolding and a lot of the stuff we're seeing in the tech space. You know, sometimes the visual I get is that of the Hulk 
I love that visual that really speaks to me because here's this guy, Mark Ruffalo, who's like a smart, calm, collected professor, but then he gets triggered by something and he turns into this Hulk, you know, and it's well-intentioned, but, but not well-implemented. And in fact, it doesn't always help. I was living a life in my thoughts. Every thought that came into my head, I would attach to and I would be so connected to. It defined how I would behave. So I get an email, the email pisses me off. Instead of taking a breath and then choosing how I want to respond, I would immediately reply and go in on somebody and remind them of what they're doing wrong. Not all the time, but enough times that it came back to bite me in the ass. I, to be honest with you, I was stubborn and I wasn't paying attention to that. I kept thinking that the feedback that they were sharing with me was their issue. I wasn't willing to take responsibility for any part of that. I wasn't willing to hold myself accountable to anything I could be doing better because I thought I was doing everything perfectly. And the truth is, is there is no such thing as perfect. Perfection is not healthy striving. And I had to fail many times in order for me to finally get the message that there was inner work I needed to do if I was going to be successful in my life. And the corporate space would rather fire me than give me the training. I didn't even know what coaching was. I didn't know what it was to have real guidance and support until Airbnb when my first boss that I ever had was a black gay man. This guy, Jonathan, was one of the first guys who really saw me and pulled me aside and said, you're well-intentioned but poorly understood. And your job now is to go figure out what that is. You know, another manager, Indian guy at Lyft, Osmot, when he first met me, he said, why aren't you a VP yet? What's going on? And I said, I don't know, you tell me. He said, I'm gonna go do a 360 and go talk to some people. And then he came back to me and said, you have to learn to slow down. You're going a million miles an hour. Turn the camera off and take a breath. Recognize that in that breath, you create some space. And in that space is your power. And you are giving your power away to other people when you are not cultivating that space between you and your reaction. And that was a big aha moment for me. 2018 was the lowest point of my life. I had been fired from Airbnb after launching a major product line, dotted lining right into the CEO, Brian Chesky. And so that took me by surprise. And that wasn't the first time I had been let go. I had been let go every job I had prior to that. And so there was this recurring pattern happening in my life, not the what, but the how. And for the longest time, I wasn't paying attention to it until finally in 2018, I started to do the inner work. I invested in a coach. I learned how to meditate. I went to therapy. I recognized that all this time, I was spending so much energy trying to live somebody else's life and, and someone else's idea of what success was for me that I wasn't following that which was true for myself, that inner stillness and inner voice that was telling me this isn't it, there's something else. And so I get a job at Lyft. I initially start working on 
the light, you know, that lift light that you see on the dashboard, working on that, working on a bunch of different activations on the marketing side. Then I was rerouted to autonomous vehicles and my job was really to start to prepare the early go-to-market for how are we going to deliver autonomous vehicles to consumers at scale? How do we get consumers to feel comfortable requesting and riding in a car that has no driver in it? And so talk about future forward work focused on emotions and how to connect the product to the customer, right? I mean, I was getting a masterclass in this and then COVID hits. So March, 2020, I get redeployed from autonomous vehicles to work on health safety, specifically working with the CDC and the main players who were trying to figure out how do we handle COVID. Remember, when this thing first started, we had no idea what was going on. And to be in a confined space such as a car with other people was super high risk. So the types of conversations we had were going 18-hour days, you know, seven days a week, nonstop, making sure that we could figure out the rules and the policies. Are we doing partitions? Are we checking for masks? Are we clearing the front seat? How often do we have to clean? How do we make sure that we're keeping this business afloat? amidst the headwinds of COVID and Black Lives Matter protests and the tornadoes and the hurricanes and all the elements that were hitting the business. And in those moments leading teams in that work, I realized so many of us are dysregulated. So many of us aren't equipped with the tools to be able to handle the rate at which emotions are, are moving through you day in and day out, you know? And I stepped into that role And I'm very proud of myself for how I stepped in because I had a different level of awareness this time. You see, all the companies beforehand, I didn't understand. I didn't have the self-awareness. I didn't know what meditation was. I didn't understand soft skills. I didn't have a coach at the time. But now that I had a coach, learned to meditate, was really doubling down on my leadership skills, I realized, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Under a moments of intense duress and stress, So many of the leaders in this organization don't know how to lead through crisis, don't know how to lead from a place of center, don't know how to watch the roller coaster. And what you saw was a lot of people in struggle and making decisions from fear, making decisions from anger, being uncertain with strategy and not making any decisions, just feeling like at a stalemate. And it was very sobering for me to watch this unfold. These seemingly smart, intelligent people from fancy schools and fancy families and, you know, super accomplished folks. But then when the rubber hit the road and we were under immense duress, people did not know how to show up. One of the other reasons that propelled this move was at Lyft, I was responsible for checking the death toll every morning and reporting back to the team on how the numbers were moving. And after doing that for a year and seeing the way the numbers grew, it really got to me. It felt trivial, like what am I doing here? Copying and pasting a number from the New York Times homepage onto this Google slide to update it and to lobby for resources that were so tight. We thought we prioritized safety, but we weren't to the extent that we should have. And that frustrated me. And that's when I started to feel the Hulk come out. And then I thought, nope, that's my cue. And on top of this, 
of course, all of you know, during COVID, you're worried about your family. I was in San Francisco. My family was in New York. Many of my family members started to get COVID and got sick. And so it was this nexus of challenges at work, the way leaders were responding at work, the situations happening in my personal life with COVID. And I had a panic attack after a one-on-one with the leadership team. To be honest, I had never felt anything like that before. But then I started to quickly realize, oh, wow, I see what's happening. And, and I now recognize it even more so, having cultivated a very strong meditation practice and really being in the body and paying attention to my body. I realized that my body was really sending me a signal that this isn't it, that you need to eject, that there is something else calling on your life. And honestly, after that, the decision wasn't very long. I handed in my papers and said, look, I'm done. I need to part ways here. This is not serving me and I I need to go elsewhere. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do next, but it can't be this. The first thing I had to do was to make sure that I was financially secure. And so the good news is, is when you grow up without resources, as I did, I learned from a very young age that I needed a reserve and I needed to save. So I've been putting money away since I was 13 years old. And at all these tech companies, they give us stock and I put all the stock away. So I gave myself some kind of financial runway, a cushion to say, all right, I want to be able to take the rest of this year and be able to afford living and not have to endure the stressors of financial insecurity. And so I set that runway. When I left, I read this book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. The premise of this book was that you surrender to what the universe has in store for you and you merge with the moment as opposed to trying to overly control that which is happening before you. And I think most of my life I spent my time, I'm gonna apply to this company, then I'm gonna go to this company, then I'm gonna here, 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 then I'm gonna climb here, I'm gonna climb. I was trying to over correct and dictate and analyze and drive everything that anytime there was a delta between what I wanted to do and what was actually happening, I didn't know how to handle myself and I would get frustrated and move into anger and fear and anxiety. And so learning how to merge with the moment and just be open and slow down and move with the flow of life rather than push against it. I gave myself the rest of the year and turned it into a little surrender experiment. I started to play with things and I started to get curious and just explore and allow the universe to present situations and people and circumstances for me. And I started to just pay attention to those. I started to take phone calls and I found myself in a situation where I was either A, coaching friends, leaders, colleagues, B, speaking to small groups of teams at you know at all hands and off sites and three starting to give people strategy and brand advice for people who were starting to build initially it was an act of service it was hey this is something i'm good at why don't i just offer this as a courtesy and it gives me some purpose as i start to decondition the mind from being attached to a big tech company and a big title and learn to just be and offer my service and my gift. And it was a journey of allowing myself to get curious and be still and let life unravel, that I could merge with the present moment 
and the universe would start to surface opportunities for me. And I would use my intuition to decide, yes, this was an opportunity I want to take, or no, this is an opportunity that I don't want to take. The more I did that, the more I started to realize, oh, wow, this is a pattern, and this is really exciting. It's really lighting me up. It's giving me energy. It dawned on me that I could turn this into a real business, and I could feel in my meditations and my morning walks and my journaling, I could feel the signal. I could feel coming into alignment with who I am and what I have come here to do. I look back at old photos of myself, you know, the pictures of me five, seven, ten years old, I'm holding people's hand. My mom talks about how I used to sit next to people and empathize and show compassion and give hugs. I used to run a leadership camp in middle school and high school. I was president of many of the community service clubs, always stepping up, organizing potlucks and fundraisers and donations and so on and so forth. I was always organizing and leading and guiding and coaching and facilitating. It was always part of my being. Thinking about service, the one through line for me was my ability to go into any room and connect with people. That was my superpower. That's how I got into all these companies. That's how I got to the top of all these companies. That's how I built incredible teams at these companies and got to work on the best projects at all these companies. And why I was able to scale impact because I could go into a room and I could connect with anybody, whether you were the janitor or the CEO. And I finally realized that that was it. That was the gift. My capacity to connect with anybody and use it to open the heart space. This work today feels like the most natural of all extensions of my life. I have been practicing my entire life for this moment and how this is all unfolding. And so then I signed up for school and got certified and started taking clients. One client became two, two became three, three became four, started to do my podcast, started to put myself out there. Now I'm doing many speaking gigs all over the world, virtually and in person. I eventually started the LLC. It took me a while. I even got it wrong. You know, you make mistakes, and that's the other thing. You learn how to build a process by which you can make mistakes, learn from the mistake, use it to propel you forward as opposed to use it to push you further down. So, yeah, I would say it took me about 18 months to finally get my bearings. And I look back at that time, and it was like me in a chrysalis, you know, the caterpillar starting to form into a butterfly. And I think one of the challenges we have as we're navigating transition in our life is we're trying to control the timing of us in that chrysalis. I'm going to give myself three months or six months or nine months or whatever. You have to hit these milestones. And yes, it is good to have a direction and a vision on where you're going to go. But I do not think ultimately we can determine exactly the time box. I set those times and I never met them. But now looking back, thank goodness I gave myself that time because I'm now operating at an altitude and a frequency that's way higher than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm making more money per hour than I ever have in my entire life in a world where I thought I needed to be in a corporate tech job. And I feel so lit up by it. I feel so fired up by it. It really is a way of using my understanding of emotions through my experience in marketing, coupled with 
my capacity as a servant leader since I was a kid and combining those two and using those two to coach one-on-one leaders powerfully, to go into groups of organizations and speak to people and to consult and advise companies as they grow their business. Finding your purpose is not a road that you cross. It's one that you walk along and it's this orientation. It's not really a destination. You don't get to it. You continue to explore it and live out that highest expression of yourself. I really believe that the world is desperate for brave new leaders. We need 21st century leadership skills. What does it mean to listen powerfully, empathically, presently? What does it mean to come back to yourself and cultivate a stillness practice? What does it mean to ask powerful, compassionate, open-hearted, questions and then listen and believe people what does it mean to actually build and practice the empathy and compassion muscle what does it mean to manifest more courage in your life how can you actually be in real connection with people as opposed to meaningless connection we have walls up we're not letting people into our hearts because there's so much panic in the system once you see it you can't unsee it And so I'm really on a mission to help people lay down that armor. Because when you lay down that armor, you can then pick up your life. I want more kindness and more bravery in the world. I want people who are their authentic selves. I want want to see a world where people are fully in their power and their light and are able to release the shame so that they can fully step into themselves. That's what we all need more than anything. We need people who can come fully alive and are bringing the fullness of their energy and their gift to the world. That's how we find passion and purpose and peace. And that's how we learn to love ourselves so that we're not projecting our negative energy and our hate onto the world, onto others. The other reason why I became a coach is because I didn't see leaders around me offering coaches to people. I saw them in judgment of other people or choosing to fire or lay off or reroute people if they didn't like a certain attribute or they didn't do things a particular way. And I think that's a manager perspective on life. I don't think that that's a leader perspective. I think too many people in powerful positions at companies just try and offload talent as opposed to cultivating and developing talent. Leadership development is an underused opportunity in these companies, particularly amongst historically underrepresented groups, black, brown, women, queer. We should be spending time investing in them as opposed to laying them off or letting them go or relegating them to a less significant role at the company. When I started to invest in my first coach back in 2018, It was very hard to find somebody in the coaching category that looked like me or reflected back to me some truth of myself. I couldn't find a Latino. I couldn't find many queer coaches. The category felt very homogenous. And what I recognize now in my population of clients is that the majority of my clients are historically underrepresented. And I'm very grateful for that because it reaffirms for me that I am doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm serving a need. I'm helping people who 
need someone who they can trust to let down their guard and put down the armor so that they can bring their raw, authentic self to the table and explore and grow. You can't do that with everybody. You have to do it with people who have earned the right. And so I'm on this bigger mission here to not only build the category of coaches who reflect the diversity of leaders, but to make sure that leaders who are diverse in these workspaces have coaches like me that they can call and come to and release energy and be fully vulnerable and work through problems and unblock themselves and walk away with insights that they can use to become more effective at their job. Because there was a part of me that felt that I was let go too early, that instead of giving me any opportunities to coach me and guide me and nurture me at any of these big companies, so many of the leaders chose to do nothing and not sit me down and have a hard conversation or guide me or coach me. They wanted to rush to put me on a performance plan or get me out because I was being too loud or too argumentative or I wasn't just going with the flow and I was willing to stand up and challenge a decision even though it came from a higher place. And so I made it my mission to say, you know what, I'm going to come out of this corporate space and I'm going to coach those people and I'm also going to be a coach for others like me. Let's be honest, you need the space to release the energy and to vent and to work through complicated, complex, difficult situations in a safe space where you know that you will not be judged and where you know that you belong. That is what I do now. So many of us are thinking about transition right now and it takes time. It does not happen overnight. It takes time, it takes nurturing, it takes believing in yourself, it takes trusting yourself that you have what it takes to lean into the truth. And it is uncertain and it is risky and look, it is scary AF. It is not going to be easy, but it is possible. Your life is always speaking to you through the words and the experiences and the situations that you are put in. And my question to you first and foremost is, are you paying attention? What do you need to be paying attention to in your life right now that you are not? Either because you're choosing not to, because you're numbing, because you're avoiding, whatever that is. When you pay attention, maybe you'll realize you're in a job that you like, but maybe you want a different role. Maybe you don't want to be IC and not a manager. Maybe you want a different team. Maybe you want a different product. Maybe you don't want to be in this organization at all. Another thing I would say is that if you do decide to take a entrepreneurial lens and leave, or you do want to stay in corporate and transition into a new role, you don't have to go at this alone. That it does make sense to invest in a three-month or six-month coaching relationship so that you can partner with somebody who is there for you and can help you navigate what's next. And that it oftentimes helps to have another person who can hold up a mirror and reflect back to you what they are seeing and hearing and observing so that you can make sure that you're calibrated in the right direction. My job as a coach, any job as a coach, is not necessarily to tell you what to do and to give you advice, but it's to use the gift of deep listening and powerful questioning and compassionate curiosity to guide you towards what is true for you. What is it that you really want to do yourself? So 
I think that that was the best investment I had ever made. And I was uncomfortable making that kind of investment because I was stuck in a scarcity mode at first. And that's when I realized I needed to secure my financial independence. I needed to budget and make time and make resources for activities to make sure that I was still going to the gym, to make sure that I was still eating healthy, to make sure that I was still going on vacation and that was still investing in a coach and I was still going to school and doing all the pieces that I needed to do in order to invest in myself. The money was not going into the bank, but it was going into me. And now I look back on that and I'm so glad I made that decision because we often get lost in this idea that thinking the only investment worth making is that which is your bank account. And that is a mistake. Yes, you do need money in your bank account. Yes, you do need a runway and you do need retirement and financial security, but you also need to invest in yourself and know when is the right time to invest in yourself and to double down. Your life will remind you and let you know when it's time to pay attention. And for me, that happened in 2021, realizing I wasn't going to do my best work inside this company. I needed to leave it to become a powerful coach and a transformational speaker and a powerful advisor and to use from that position my power and my ability to connect with people and unlock insights and grow leaders and have them make systemic bigger change in their organizations wherever they are. That's why I became a coach. I hope that this story helps you look at your own transition through a different lens and that you walk away with an insight or two that will help shape how you show up for yourself in your life. And I'm grateful that you're here and I thank you for doing the work to acquire information and insight and be in connection with other people like myself who have been on the journey because that is actually how we make the transition. We cannot do this alone. We have to do it together. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. As always, ask me a question. Shoot me a note. I love hearing from you. Tell me about your own transition story. I hope you all have a great week. Thank you. Let's go, baby.